This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and crazy cat lover. I have an interesting guest with me, Dr. Jessica Vogelsang. Now, I've known her for quite some time. She does all kinds of cool things. But the reason I wanted to talk with her mostly today is because she is the chief medical officer for the American Animal Hospital Association, which is a group near and dear to my heart. So I think that you guys are going to want to know who they are and what they do. So we're going to be right back after a quick break. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So as I said, I have Dr. Jessica Vogelsang here with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about her and the American Animal Hospital Association. So hi, Dr. V. Hi, how are you? I am excellent. So I know you, but my listeners don't. So I want to talk a little bit about you because you've got a lot of interesting things that landed you here. Can you talk about yourself? Oh, sure. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, it is interesting because when you hear, oh, a chief medical officer of an association, that doesn't necessarily sound very interesting, right? But before I came to AHA, I actually worked in small animal practice in San Diego for 20 years. So this is something really near and dear to my heart. I did small animal medicine for a while. I did emergency. I actually helped develop an in-home hospice and euthanasia practice here in the San Diego area. I started writing a book. So I did all sorts of different things, uh, really in the trenches, working with pet owners every day. I absolutely, it's my favorite thing to do. I, I love people and their pets. And so when I had this opportunity to, to come into AHA, you know, I really couldn't turn it down because I think there's so much as a profession we can do to continue to build those bonds of trust with our pet owners and make sure that we're all working together to serve the needs of our pets. So that's really why I'm here. I agree completely. I have a saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think that we can always improve our relationships with pet owners and the things that we can do for pets. So yay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what is AHA for my listeners. Let's start there. Sure, sir. So AHA is an accrediting body. So essentially, you know, when you go to a hospital, 
it's accredited for yourself. All human hospitals are accredited. They have to have a third party come in and make sure that they're living up to a certain set of standards. That is not the case for animal hospitals. And so you have a, a license to practice and open your business in your state, um, but there isn't any sort of neutral third party who's making sure that you are following the, you know, the gold standards for anesthetizing a pet and are you doing pain management the right way and all those sorts of things. And so, aha, offers a voluntary accreditation process for animals, uh, animal hospitals, of which yours is one. Thank you so much. And so really only about 12% of hospitals in North America have this accreditation. So it's very prestigious, but it essentially is you allowing your hospital to be evaluated by a third party to ensure that you are providing the best possible care for pets and their families. And so when you as a pet owner see that sticker in the window, that means that that hospital has invested a significant amount of time into proving that they are taking excellent care of your pets and that they are worthy of trust. Right. And it it's kind of a, it's a big deal. I mean, um, we have an inspector come in and yes, we are. Applebrook Animal Hospital is AHA accredited. And that is a very valuable metric to me. I just want to be sure that we are doing the best that we can. Can you talk about, I mean, I know what it is, but can you talk about like the criteria of anesthesia and cleanliness and all that kind of stuff? Can you kind of tell my listeners what that is? It's it's a lot, as you know, right? So there's about 900 standards and we evaluate them every year to make sure we have um, the right ones up there. There are things that need to be revised. And so as a hospital, you have this book in front of you and there's things that you absolutely non-negotiable have to do. Do you have a separate anesthesia room? So for example, you know, you want your room to be very, 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 very clean. You don't want any sort of dirt or things from your daily life in the practice getting in there. And so you have to have a separate dedicated facility for surgery. So that's just sort of one example. Do you have a registered technician? Uh, What sort of steps are they taking? Who's monitoring the anesthesia on your pet? How is the record keeping? That is so important. And those are the sorts of things that as a pet owner, you wouldn't have visibility to that and you wouldn't know to ask, hey, how are you maintaining, you know, the records to make sure that somebody's checking my pet's temperature, you know, the entire time during the procedure to make sure that their temperature's not getting too low. But all of those little things are the things that we validate as inspectors, when we come in every three years, are you, are we check your medical records? Are your x-rays not only positioned in a way that's making sure that the pet is safe, but the staff as well. There's a lot of safety standards in there. And we have pain management that we, we check and we reevaluate our standards every several years because pain management and medications, those needs change over time as medicine gets better. And so we want our standards to evolve to reflect that as well. You know, 20 years ago, pain management was considered optional by a lot of people, and that's no longer the case. And so all of those different things come into play with these evaluations. They're all day. It's substantial. It's a lot of work, but boy, a team sure has a sense of pride when you come out on the other end and said, we did it. We know that we are the absolute best that that we can be. Well, so I think that perhaps pet owners don't really realize why maybe one practice can do, I don't know, for easy math, one practice can do a spay for $100, but maybe my practice is more than that. And so I think that 
unless they knew which questions to ask, they would think that those were equivalent things. And I think that our accreditation kind of explains why maybe we have to charge a little bit more because we have pain coverage, because we have, you know, an assistant monitoring every few minutes, the vitals of the pet. We have monitors that check their heart rate and that kind of stuff. So I really feel like being an AHA accredited hospital sets us apart. Now I am kind of thrilled that it's only 12% of animal hospitals that take the time to prove how good they are. That's awesome. Yes, it is. And it is such a an important badge because it is a big differentiator. And we know that there are hospitals who they don't pass, they don't qualify. And so certainly not everybody out there is is going to be eligible. And so those things matter. Those things are really important. And what's nice is as a pet owner, you know, anytime that you are going into a medical facility, whether it's for yourself or your pet, you know, you don't have the time and it's not necessarily on you to know how do I evaluate whether this place, you know, is doing all the things that they need to be doing. How do I know my doctor is is good, right? All I can do is sort of check their license and, and ask for recommendations. And so the AHA accreditation it is a neutral third party that says we've gone in there and we know what to ask. Even if you don't, we know what to look for. And we are confident that they are doing all the things that they need to do to be the absolute gold standard right now in excellent practice. So it's a step better than just reading the Google reviews. I mean, I tell people, you know, read reviews on products, read reviews on doctors, whatever. But these are people that know the difference that are evaluating. And I think that's really important. It is. And, you know, the reviews are sometimes helpful, sometimes not, right? There's a lot of things that you can glean from reviews. But as as a pet owner, there's only so much that you can see. And there are a lot of things behind the table that you can't see. So you can consider AHA accreditation sort of like a behind the doors evaluation or review <laughs> of uh, of the clinic, right? And so I know for me, um, my mother was an RN. And so she was really plugged into our local healthcare system. And that was so nice because when I wanted a doctor, I could ask her and I would say, well, as a nurse, you know, the doctors, you know, the people that return calls and and communicate and make sure you know your lab results, who do you recommend? And so this is really the same way. Um, Our evaluators are trained um, practice managers, veterinary technicians, they all come from within the veterinary field and they are all super passionate about working with hospitals. And it's always a great conversation, you know, because a lot of clinics come in and they're almost there. And I I would love to sort of hear your experience with this as well, because oftentimes somebody isn't quite doing something yet, but this is an opportunity to say, oh, hey, let's revise how we're doing this. And now we're even better on the other side. So not only is it proving that you're already doing things really well, but it's an opportunity to do things even better. And that that's a lot because you don't have to do it. This is voluntary. You could be a very successful hospital without going through that. But that value of demonstrating that to your patients, I think is just, it shows so much respect for for clients and for pet parents that you're investing in that in that badge in that time. Well, so um, sometimes I have pet parents call and ask if we're AHA accredited, which I think is pretty awesome because we that can say awesome. yes. But how do my listeners find out if the practice they're considering going to is AHA accredited? Is there a directory or can you elaborate on that? Sure. So we um, we have a hospital locator on our website, aha.org. So A-A-H-A.org. And so we have all sorts of information there about what it means to be accredited. There is some pet owner information on there as well. 
Um, most hospitals who go through all that work and effort will tell you, um, as they should, you know, we want them to be loud and proud about being AHA accredited. And so oftentimes um, they will have the badge on their website and, and the signs out front as well. So we encourage it. And, you know, if you love your hospital and, and they're not AHA accredited, let them know to reach out. You know, we'd love to have a conversation and and see if it's something that they might be interested in because we're really proud. You know, 12% of hospitals are accredited. I'd love for it to be more. Like the the invitation's open to anybody who wants to, to join with us because we really believe in what we do. Absolutely. So I do want to take a quick break, but there are some other things that AHA does that I would I would like to share with my listeners and talk with you about because I think they do a lot of, of really good services to our pet owners and our pet population. So let's take a quick break and be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So Dr. Vogelsang and I are just talking about the American Animal Hospital Association and what it means for your animal hospital to be accredited and, and why pet owners should care and how is a good way to find out if your practice is. But the American Animal Hospital Association does some other really good things like hosting studies and publishing guidelines. So I want to talk with Dr. V about that because I really appreciate that they do that. Oh, great. I love the guidelines. They're one of the favorite things that we do here at AHA. And so we have a bunch of different guidelines. They're essentially current best practices for veterinary medicine. And so that's something that we do that's open to anybody, you can go to our website and see all the guidelines that we have out there. We take a bunch of um, subject matter experts. We take this really great task force together and say, all right, well, right now in 2022, what is the most important thing for veterinarians to do when it comes to, for example, canine vaccinations? And so we just published the 2022 canine vaccination guideline just last week. And it talks about things like personalized recommendations for vaccines. And so as a pet owner, we know that comes up all the time, right? We know that every pet needs to be vaccinated for parvo. Every pet needs to be vaccinated for babies. The guideline will tell you how frequently that needs to happen when they need to be boosted. But then it goes into a lot of detail about all the rest of the things, you know, um, does every pet need a leptospirosis vaccine? Um, what about Bordetella? What about kennel cough or canine flu? And so it goes into a lot of detail about the sorts of things in medicine that evolve. And we revise those guidelines usually every five to eight years or so. So we do it for things like that. We do it for nutrition. 
Do you know if your pet's overweight? Here's some things that your your vet can bring to the table to help you understand what that means and, and why it matters. The pain management guidelines are a huge one. That's one, you know, we get new pain medications pretty much every year. And so the way that we handle pain, even now in 2022 is different than it was a year or two ago. So as medicine changes, it's really important that we stay on top of those things. And so the guidelines help us do that. It's great stuff. Yeah, I love the guidelines because as you and I both know very personally, bad news kind of spreads fast. And so the idea that veterinarians are over vaccinating or are doing things that pets don't really need kind of spreads like wildfire. But AHA is there to say, no, no, wait, here are these guidelines. If your veterinarian is following these guidelines, then the latest science supports the choices they're making. And so as a veterinarian, I certainly appreciate that. And I know my listeners like being able to look up things like that. Absolutely. And again, you know, they're geared towards veterinarians, but they're available to everyone. I've always felt, you know, as a as a well-educated pet owner, you know, why not if you want to learn and, and see what the science says and and look at the studies? Oh my gosh, we've got you know hundreds of references in the scientific literature for these documents. We're not trying to hide anything. I want you to know what we're basing these recommendations on. And it's published literature and it's all those things that really matter and prove, you know, with data and research, that's what these recommendations are based on. And, and that's why that's why people can trust them. And I think trust is where it's at. I mean, the reason you choose your veterinarian is because you trust them to make good choices for your pet. And if they're partnered with AHA, then you can know that they are doing their part to make the best recommendations. And so that that is why I wanted to talk with you about it today, not just because my practice is <laughs> AHA accredited, but because I know a lot of other really great veterinarians that are also AHA accredited. And I love having pet owners that ask me, I mean, people email me questions, ask me in my exam room because they've read and I want them to know that AHA is a resource. So tell my listeners, again, the website where they might be able to find out information they might want to know about their pets. Yep. So aha.org, A-A-H-A.org. And that's uh, got our hospital locator and just all sorts of different information on there. But absolutely, you know, and I just want to put a rubber stamp on that idea of trust. You know, you, you have to trust your provider. If you don't trust them, if something happened to make you question that, you know, investigate why. Um, because if you don't have that, if you can't start from that place, everything else becomes so much harder and, and you deserve it, your pets deserve it. And, you know, hopefully AHA is just one way that that we can help people establish that bridge and that trust. Okay. So, so we covered the stuff we need to, but there are some cool things about you that I <laughs> want to talk about because you are also an author. Yeah. And so tell my listeners about your, you ha- how many books do you have? I have one. Oh, I thought you had two. Okay. I well, I was going to, but I've been distracted at uh-huh. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> so tell my listeners about your book then. So my book is called All Dogs Go to Kevin. It was published in 2015 and it's a memoir about three pets who changed my life and really talks about my career when I was in practice. So lots of stories about showing up to work every day and and the characters that that you meet. So I had a blast writing it. It's one of the things I'm the most proud of. You know, I think your book is the reason I found you because I have a book too. And I, I don't know, somehow we just sort of linked up and 
have a lot of common experiences and stuff. So it's really cool. And so I feel like I'm a part of the things that you're doing. <laughs> now. Well, and you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think everybody knows James Harriet, right? And he's really created this narrative that lives in people's heads about what it means to be a veterinarian. And he definitely captured what it meant to be a veterinarian, you know, in his time where he lived, but the story is so different now. And there's so many amazing stories. And so absolutely, as writers have to stick together, you know, you've got incredible stories from your practice. It's it's so fun to be in a profession that has stories, you know, my, my husband and I love him and he works in IT. And I mean, I'm sure he has interesting stories, but not like cute and puppy stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's easy. It is really easy to tell stories with our work in a way that not all professions get to enjoy. Well, I agree. And you know what? I, I grew up reading James Harriet as well. And I think that because of him, the veterinary profession had a really good reputation when I was coming along. And now I don't think it's as positive. I think we've lost some of that being in touch and it, it comes down to trust. And so I think that this podcast and all the things that you and I both do to help build that trust and, and return veterinarians to a trusted caregiver is really important because that's, I mean, that's why we, we do this because we love it. Thousand percent. Couldn't agree more. Well, so I think I have taken up enough of your time because you are very busy, I know. And so I just want to thank you for sharing with us a little bit about AHA. I hope my listeners learned something from you today, but thanks a bunch. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of AHA. Well, I'm happy to be. I also want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter. Every episode, I thank him because without him, I couldn't do it. But most importantly, I want all my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLightRadio.com.